Hey, this is Amy Souter, your host of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast and the retail and education and PMG editor at The Packer. And we have with us the two, like the 2023 PMG Produce Retailer of the Year Award winner. And it is Joseph Bunting, the Produce Business Director. Um, wait, did I mess that up? Pro- Produce Business Director? Yes, Business Director. Uh-huh. Produce Business Director of United Supermarkets based in Lubbock, Texas. Welcome and congrats. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very much. So, yeah. Um, first, like, how did you find out? I know you were on a, va- did you find out why you're on vacation or how did I you? Did. I did. My boss actually called me at four o'clock on Friday of my vacation. I was like, whoa, what is, what is going on? There must be something wrong. And uh, so he called at four o'clock then and I missed him. And so I called him back and uh, he gave me the good news. So yeah, yeah. Very honored, very humbled as well, but, but I really, really appreciate the opportunity. Cool. Yeah. Sometimes the, the last hour um, on a Friday is not good. <laughs> oh, also I was a little worried. I was like, what is going on here? So, <laughs> but it was actually good news this time. It's the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Cool. So how about you, first off, just tell us a little bit about United Supermarkets and then your, what you, you know, your role. Um, We get some basics. Okay. Yeah. So I've been with United Supermarkets for 30 years, actually hit 30 years in in December, this last December. Uh, No, United, you know, we were a 97 year old family owned company until 2013. And in 2013, that's when the family decided to sell. And they sold to Albertsons. And so we've been owned by Albertsons now for 10 years. And uh, they've been very good to us and really helped grown, you know, grow our store count for sure. I think when we got bought out, we were a little over 50 stores at the time being family owned. You know, the family didn't want to take on a lot of debt and everything, you know, back then. And then when Albertsons came in, they gave us more stores to run. We were one of 14 divisions of Albertsons. And uh, now we're almost to 100 stores, which is something I've always wanted to see us get to. Uh, we're at 97 stores currently, and we got more in the works. But uh, so we will hit the 100 mark at some point here in the near future. But we're not quite there today. But we operate four different banners. Uh, we operate Market Street, which is kind of our high-end banner. We operate Amigos, which is, which obviously caters to the growing Hispanic demographic in in Texas. We have four of those, and then we operate the the flagship banner, United Supermarkets. And then Albertsons Market. And uh, Albertsons Markets are all in New Mexico. So we actually have stores in New Mexico and stores in Texas. Predominantly, all of our stores are in Texas. We've got 25 stores, I believe it is, over in New Mexico, and they're all Albertsons Market. So we have a diverse group of stores that, that we operate. And um, very, very fortunate that uh, we do very good business. And we're, we're known for great quality produce and great, great quality meat as well. Okay, yeah, and this award, uh, some of the you had uh, a lot of nominations, which was very impressive, and they were from colleagues within your company, and there were several, several from um, other vendors and suppliers and people that that you work with, and um, they were all like the nominees, uh, the nominations. They were asked to explain. Um, why their nominee was worthy for, or why they were nominating them for, um, you know, leadership and supplier relationships 
innovative merchandising and sales techniques. Uh, those were some of the, the key uh, components, and they gave some examples. Um, but uh, yeah, just to give a little bit of background in this program, this awards program has been going on for, oh, I forget, maybe more than 20 years? Uh uh, more than fifteen. I yeah, I need to look. It's in one of our my last stories, last year's story about it. Um, but it's been going on a while. Um, well, Olivia, I had no idea that anybody was nominating me on this at all. When when Tony called me, my boss, when he called me on Friday, I was like, "What are you talking about?" You know, he said, "No, you were nominated." And he said, "There's apparently a lot of people here united that like you and and uh, other people as well." He said, so they said some good things about you or whatever. And so anyway, they, uh, so uh, anyway, when I found that out, I was really, really honored. That's so exciting that you, that you had no idea. <laughs> no idea. That would came out of the clear blue. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, I would like to know a little bit about your, how you got started in produce or retail and, um, you know, from wherever like your what was your first job even if it was unrelated to to this completely yeah, so the, the whole reason i went to work for united actually was to earn enough money to buy a pickup to be honest with you so when i was 16 years old you know i kind of thought my parents would buy me a, a car or truck and my dad was like no that's not the way it's going to work he said you he said i'm going to help you but you're going to you're going to appreciate it more if you earn it so he said, I'll tell you what, I'll help you get a truck once you get $3,000 in the, in the bank. And I really wanted to pick up, my family was in ranching and uh, still are. And I really wanted to pick up, be able to haul cattle, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And dad was like, well, you got to earn it. So I went and got a job sacking groceries at United. Did not think that would it, it would turn into my career, obviously. But I started there sacking groceries. It was in December of 1992 when I started. And I sacked for a while for a few months and then got promoted up to checker, which was, which was really good because then that's where I actually met my wife when I was checking groceries there. I actually trained her to check. She was a senior in high school and I was a junior in high school. So we've been married now for 26 years and I have three kids. But that's what we because we went to different high schools. I was from Abilene, Texas. And, uh, that, and we would have never met otherwise because she went to a different school. And so that's where we met. So I got to train her to check. And then after that, I really wanted to get into produce. I don't know what it was, but it just drew me uh, to produce over there. So I decided decided to go that route and was lucky enough to get moved over to produce. And then from there, I don't know what it was. I just loved it. I think probably it was the seasonality and just the change every day. It wasn't the same thing every single day, kind of like checking or sacking. It was something different all the time. And I think that's what really drew me to it. So I went to high school and college there in Abilene and, and uh, working in the stores. I worked in the stores for seven years. And uh, when I was in college, I was I was uh, getting a degree in agricultural business, kind of from the ranching background of my family. And then I took a marketing class and just fell in love with it. And I was like, I've got to do something with the marketing degree. So I added on a marketing degree. Well, that added another 30 hours of college on, which my parents weren't too happy about that. But I think the good Lord was looking out for me because when that put me graduating instead of May that year in December of 99. And well, in 2000 is when United wanted to go into self-distribution. And so they needed somebody or they wanted somebody that was young that they could train kind of straight out of college, that they could train to be a buyer and maybe, you know, what else down the line. 
So Jackie Pierce was our produce director at the time. And uh, he gave me the opportunity when I graduated college to come up here to Lubbock. I was from Abilene, moved to Lubbock in February of 2000 to be a produce buyer. And, and so I started being a produce buyer in 2000 and I bought for 10 years in produce. So when I got here, I met, you know, Tommy Wilkins. He was, he was one of my mentors, uh, Harold Wilkins, uh, about Harold Wilkins was his father and they taught me the ropes on produce buying. They taught me the industry along with Jackie and then Darvel Kirby as well. So Jackie, unfortunately passed away in 2002. I only got to work with him for a couple of years. He is a legend in our company. And uh, produce was the last thing that he did in our company. And it uh, really taught me a whole lot, especially on attention to detail. That man was was very detail-oriented, taught me a whole lot. Uh, Tommy and his dad really taught me on the buying side, you know, about building relationships and everything with partners in the industry. And then Darvel Kirby took over as produce director after Jackie passed away and got to work with him. I would, in 20. 15, no, in 2010, I transitioned to business manager role that Darvel and Tony Crumpton promoted me to. I was the first produce business manager for the company. And uh, so anyway, did that for five years. And that involves, you know, the ad routing, the SKU analysis, the working with partners, the working with marketing on, on programs and everything. Loved that job, loved that role. And then in 2015, Darvel decided to retire at a young age of 56, he kind of surprised everybody, but Darvel had well positioned me and taught me, you know, the business, the retail side of the business very well. He was very gifted in business and taught me a whole lot about it. And uh, so, so when he decided to retire in 2015, I was fortunate enough again to be selected for the produce director position um, by Wes Jackson. He was our CMO at the time. And uh, so he promoted me to produce business director. So I've been in this role since 2015. So It'll, I guess it'll be nine years in February whenever I got transitioned over to this role. So that's just kind of a little bit on the backstory of me, why why I started at United and kind of how it's evolved into what it's evolved into now. Never, like I said, I never thought it would it would be my career, but I've been here now 30 years and I love it. Wow. Yeah, I hear a lot of um, like mentorship and, and others who've been there longer than you kind of yeah. hiding you and training you, which seems to be key for anyone who succeeds yes well you know the thing about united they have a lot of long-term people here and i think that says a lot about the company you know about the organization when you have a lot of tenure and really on our produce team most of our people in produce are anywhere from 20 to 45 year veterans believe it or not so it's a, it says a lot about the company we've got a lot of great experience a lot of great talent here in the produce department um what uh so what kind of qualities about some of those leaders that you admired did did you do you try to emulate um and like you know in your own leadership style what what you know, are, you know with jackie with jackie you know he was he was real you know like i said before detail oriented i mean the man was just had prettiest handwriting you'll ever see and just paid so much attention to detail, detail, detail. And that's where really where I learned a lot from him was just paying attention to even to the small thing, right? Attention to detail. You know, Darvel, he had he had taught me so much about business. Darvel, Darvel wasn't as uh well, he was he was a little bit more laid back. I'll put that from Jack, you know, or whatever. And he he approached business maybe a little bit differently than than the way Jackie did it. But he did it his way. And I learned a lot from him, you know, 
kind of be slow, you know, slow to speak and quick to listen, I think was, was a good attribute from him, you know, cause he listened really well and, and then made good decisions, you know, based on the information that was given to him. So I think that was good. And then from Tommy and Harold, man, they taught me so much about relationships in the business uh, and how important, how key the relationships are, because, you know, at the time we were a smaller company trying to get established. And, you know, when you're, when you're up against the big, the big companies out there, the Walmarts and the other of the world, you know, it's, it's tough and you got to have good relationships out there to get you through the tough times. Cause you know, what produce mother nature does and will change the course on things a lot of times. And it's, you know, at, at those point in times, you know, it's like better have good partners in place, good relationships in place to get you through the tough times. So, I mean, I think those guys taught me a whole lot there. And then, you know, Tony Crumpton, he's our CMO currently, and he was our CMO back then as well. Then Wes Jackson, they taught me so much about business and how to treat people right. You know, United's always been around, been about treating the people right and doing the right thing. And those guys are, you know, big leaders in our company and have really taught, taught us that, you know, throughout the years. Can you give, when you were mentioning attention to detail, my first thought was like, can you give a couple of examples in pro, like in the world of produce that, that sticks out in your head? Well, I, mean, I think, you know, back then, I mean, attention to detail, you know, when I was a buyer, when I was on the buyer desk, it was just, you know, making sure that you, you turn in your price changes and everything correctly. You know, back then the systems were different what they are today today we're on an average cost system back then it was more buyer driven cost system where you had to keep up with all of your costs and all of your retails and everything that you had going on out there and i missed one one time i didn't turn one in properly and jackie jumped all over me about pay attention to what you're doing you know or whatever and and i mean just you know that it was it was even down to those little bitty things like that where i missed a small price change you know on something that was pretty insignificant at the time but but he made sure he made it significant you know, so I'm just, and then paying attention to, you know, the quality aspects on everything, every little detail mattered, you know? And so anyway, you, even the smallest little thing out there, like the, like, you know, the bruising on a banana or whatever, I mean, he paid attention to every single thing. So anyway, he really taught me a lot there. Just, you know, don't let the small things go, pay attention to the small things because they do matter. Yeah. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about merchandising, um, what you're proud of, what's uh, something, some change that had some results, that tangible results that you saw or some challenges that you overcame with merchandising. I think on merchandising, you know, when I kind of first started in this role, you know, we had merchandised a little bit different in the past, especially when Darwin was here. And and we kind of... I don't know how to describe it, but we really merchandise a lot of our items kind of horizontally on our racks mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, it looked good, you know, it did. But from what I saw when we were kind of, were were evolving with Albertsons, you know, I liked more of the vertical look, vertical four flip block look, you know, or whatever. And so I really wanted to change us over to that merchandising. And so, you know, back then, you know, we've been doing things for for one way for so long that. You know, anytime you want to make a big change like that, you're going to be met with a little bit of resistance, right? And But we went and we set a store here in Lubbock one night. I think we got done about 2 a.m. Uh, on resetting the store the way that I wanted to get it set. And, uh, you know, I, there was a lot of skeptical produce managers and even supervisors, you know, or whatever. They're like, I don't know, you know, how this is going to turn out, how it's going to look. But we got done, you know, that night, about 2 a.m. 
And um, everybody stepped back and took a look at it. And I mean, I just felt great about it because everybody walked away from there. Even the purse managers that were skeptical about it. And they were like, oh my gosh, this looks great. I'm going to go set my store like this, you know? And so from then it just kind of spread. And now that's the way we do merchandise. So that was kind of a big change. It was something that I thought needed to happen that would make our departments look better, you know, from, from where they were to where they are today. And it was just a, it was just a big change and something that I felt like was the right thing to do. And after we got it done, we were sure happy that we got it done. Like, uh, can you think of a particular category of produce that, that was more horizontal that then you stacked up? I think about like our wet bed section, you know, we were kind of spread out, you know, throughout the wet bed section. And now we've got a more, more in sections, more like four foot sections, like, you know, your salad, your cooking veg, you know, so on and so forth. Everything's kind of in four foot blocks yeah. and it looks, it looks really good. Pepper section is another good example of that where everything, everything's kind of together and you can, you can see the, the dividing lines in there on on the section so i really uh, it turned out turned out nice it was it was very different from the way that we used to merchandise not that the old way was wrong or anything else it was just different and in it was maybe personal preference yeah trends and something i just saw that i really liked and i wanted our our departments to to emulate well yeah we run a, a quarterly merchandising um produce artists award series uh an artistry contest and yeah, sometimes like the one way is not necessarily bad. It's just right. art, like what looks better sometimes. I mean, right. yeah, good safety and freshness and okay. things like that, but like sometimes it's just subjective artistic. It is. It <laughs> is. I, I love getting into different stores, even competitors you know, or whatever, just seeing what everybody's doing because sometimes it just gives you good ideas, you know, to say, oh, you know, that's something that we could try or we could do or we could do better you know, or whatever with and, and make our stores even, even that much better for our guests. So about sales, um, can you think of an example, a situation or an anecdote, uh, about how you needed to, you wanted to increase, uh, sales or profit of a particular item or promotion? Yeah. I think the one that stands out to me was our hatch program, hatch chili program. Uh um, you know, and we, we did, we did what we thought was a pretty good job of hatch. Uh, but back in 2014, we sold a little over $300,000 worth of hatch peppers. And, uh, you know, we kept rocking along there, selling it, selling what we thought was a decent amount. But, uh, then I think it was 2016 or 2017, Wayne Denningham was our, was our, was the CEO of Albertsons at the time, you know, in each, and, you know, we'd have to do quarter, quarterly, you know, reviews with them quarterly meetings or whatever, and talk about what we're going to be doing, you know, to grow sales and so on and so forth uh, in the coming months or in the coming quarter. One of the things we talked about, one of those meetings was hatch. And, and I just, you know, put out a modest increase, like, like, you know, like we did on a lot of things. It was like a three or 5% increase. And, and Wayne Denningham was like, I'm going to challenge you to do better. And we were like, do what? And he was like, I think there's more potential out there on hatch. I think you could do even better. And he said, I'm going to challenge you to get to a million dollars in sales. I'm and we're like, well, three, we had $300,000 in sales in 2014. I think in 2016, we had uh, 500 or $600,000. He wanted to see us get to a million. And so he really challenged us. And he was like, I don't know what you got to do to get there. But he said, I think you can make it happen. I think y'all just got to sit down and, and figure out what you could do better. And man, I'll tell you what, when the team just rallied around us, you know? And so everybody was like, what do you need? What do you think you need to make that happen? And I was like, well, 
we're going to have to roast in every store if we're going to get to a million dollars in sales on hatch roasting. So what does that mean? You got to go buy hatch roasters, right? And for every store. So we had to, had to get some capital involved and everything there to go make it happen. And uh, then we had to come up with other creative solutions, you know, what we're going to do, what we're going to offer. Uh, like on our fresh cut program, we had to come up with different items and, and items that would differentiate us from competition, you know, as well. So we put all that together and lo and behold, we, we beat that goal of over, I think we ran $1.1 million or something that year, you know? And so to me, that was, that was one of the biggest, you know, one of, one of the funnest things that we've done that we've accomplished was somebody gave us a goal and really challenged us to get out there. But when you step back and look at it, it's like, okay, you know, we were just going to go with the modest increase on, on that program. But then, you know, when we were challenged and we really stepped back and took a look at it, it was like, you know what, we could do a whole lot better if we, if we changed a lot of our processes. Right. So that's what we did. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Everybody, everybody was super excited, you know, to see the results at the end of it, but it really proved as a company, when we get behind something, you know, sky's the limit on what we Wow. Yeah, hatch, the hatch chili season is a pretty big deal. You hear about it on the far on the East Coast. <laughs> it is, yeah, we, you know, we ran a million dollars then, but now it, our program's uh, well over $3 million. So it's a, it's a, it's a big program now for us. So we've really grown over the years and that was something that was really kind of, he was kind of the catalyst to get us going. And you still, you wrote, do you roast at every store during the season? We do. Yes, ma'am. We do. We only do a couple of weekends now roasting in every store just because of labor and everything else. But, uh, but we will have, a, we'll have about half of our stores that are roast about for about three or four weekends, but we only require, you know, a handful of our stores to roast every weekend. But for the first two weekends, all 97 stores are, are roasted. Mm. And what are the like fresh cut or other type items that you have with it? Well, like when we look at like fresh cut, you know, we make our own guacamole. And so instead of just making your normal, your standard guacamole with the, with the jalapeno in it, we replace the jalapeno with a hatch pepper. So we make hatch guacamole, you know, or instead of doing the jalapeno poppers, we're doing hatch poppers, you know, that kind of stuff where, where it's, it's fun. It's a different twist on it. And it's really a differentiator, you know, in, in, in our world where we can differentiate the items that we offer. Yeah. Okay. And um, talk to me. You 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 alluded to this a little bit already about how having good supplier relationships, um, grower collaboration, especially when you know there's bad weather. There's times where you have to. Um. Sometimes you have to get someone to stay with you, even when, um, or the grower wants you to stay with them. Um, and like when they, you know, sometimes it might not be profitable in the short, immediate future for you, but in the long term, it might be, um, better stick with them. Like what, uh, can you talk about any, maybe, you know, any particular ways of, of how you go about that and, and kind of tough decisions you have to make or. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, I mean, it, it is tough sometimes, you know, or whatever, uh, whether Mother Nature, you know, may be causing some issues, you know, or whatever the case may be, you know, I mean, we, that's why we call everybody partners and not vendors, you know, we don't like the term vendor, we like the term partner because it is a partnership, really the way that we, we view it, because there's going to be good times and there's going to be bad times, right? And I think defining moments are 
the defining moments are what really how you judge your partnership. You know, I mean, if I don't need I don't need companies there when it's easy. I need you there when it's hard. I need you there when it's good and when it's bad, right? And so I think those are the defining moments that really help build our character, build our partnerships. And sometimes, yeah, we pay more money for 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 some you know products or whatever. Local, a lot of times, I'm a big supporter of local. We'll probably talk about that here in a little bit. Sometimes yeah. a little bit more money there just because, you know, I feel like it's the right thing to do to support our local communities, you know? So anyway, that's the way we've always viewed partnerships and, you know, we, we take care of our partners and they take care of us, you know I mean? We always tell them that doesn't do us any good if we're causing you to lose money because, you know, we need you next year, you know, in, in the future years, you know, the same thing for, for us, you know, we, we got to make money as well because we got to be here to support you the next few years. So, you know, that's where the partnership comes in. Yeah. Um, what have been some challenges in the past year? Uh, I know the past few years it was COVID or supply chain disruptions, uh, labor shortages, and lately what inflation? Um, what? Yeah, you you name it. Over the past few years, it's it's been a roller coaster ride. You know, we we're very fortunate during COVID to have the great partners that we have because really our service level we were the shining star during COVID. You know when when grocery and the market and everybody was struggling so much, you know, produce was really, really serviced at a very high level, you know, believe it or not. And so, and at some points we actually had to cut back just because we didn't have enough labor here at our distribution center to get all the product that we could have got in and out just because we didn't have enough labor to do that at the time. So we actually had to cut back a little bit, but we took care of our partners and even took care of people that we don't normally do business with, like some food service people who were who were really struggling at the time, you know, we helped them move a lot of product just to, just to keep them going for a little while. You know, there wasn't really going to be much business after that. We knew that and they knew that, but we just tried to help them out uh, during that time, just because you know, that's, that's who we are. We've always been taught to do the right thing. And that's what, that's what we did during, during that time. No, when we get out of COVID now, there's been a lot of challenges this year. And you talk about, you know, stone fruit was very late this year. I've talked about cherries. You know, we were about four weeks late on cherries this year compared to normal. And those are cells that are terribly difficult to make up if you even can make them. You know, it's very hard. Then we saw this year where uh, we had a little bit of gap on grapes as the as the crop ended out of uh, Chile and Peru going into Mexico. Mexico wasn't quite ready yet for the volume that was coming at them. And then we had a little bit of a gap on grapes. Hadn't seen that in the, in the past years. You know, and so, I mean, right now we're going through a gap in supply on hatchbackers, which we hadn't seen in, in years and years. So this year has been a lot of curveballs thrown at us. But, you know, I think, you know, you, you got to, we're really good at calling audibles now. So when something's not working, you can change, you can change what your plans were and go into a different planet, you know? And so like. Do you call that again? Call it an audible. Kind of like in football right where a quarterback goes up to the line and he sees a different defense than what he thought so he calls a different play at, at the line it's kind of the same thing here right so we're we're at the line we're looking you know we don't have cherries to sell so we're going to push we're going to push grapes or push something different uh you know for a little while to try to get back to the same sales number if we can um but like I say on the on the cherry situation it's terribly difficult to do that but but if one plan's not working we go to the next plan go to plan b go to plan c whatever that is. But I think communication there is the key to, to the stores, to leadership and everybody to make sure everybody knows what your plans are. Yeah. And these are all just, just what, like the weather of the crop or 
just the timing. Yeah, the timing this year. You know, sometimes crops are early, sometimes they're late, and it seems like this year everything's just been late. You know, this year for whatever reason, and that's hard to overcome when you when you have sales from last year and we had big promotions or whatever going on. I think we ran cherries last year in Mother's Day ad, and this year we didn't even have cherries until the end of May. You know, and so it's like, well, how do you make up those sales? It's it's terribly difficult to do that sometimes, but. You know, you find other items, what else, what's available, what can we push and what can we get out there and, you know, try to attain the sales on, you know, the best we can. How do you push another item, like make a, a, a like advertise it a lot more and make special deals or? Yeah, it just depends on whatever's available at the time, right? That's what you got to look at is, okay, we don't have this item to push. What else, what's the next best item that we can get out there and push on, you know, to, to kind of fill in the gap? And once you figure out whatever that is at the at the time, whether it is a great, maybe it's avocados, whatever the case may be, they put a plan together, make sure the stores are aware of it, make sure everybody, you know, on our team is aware of what we're going to be doing, what we're going to try to accomplish, and then make sure everybody knows what we want to do on merchandise. Like what does a an example of like a plan look like? Like merchandise it in the front and center and put a lower cost, like a deal two for one or, or way lower than it normally is. Does that... Like what really works? Well, I mean, it, that it could be part of your ad strategy or promotional strategy where we say, okay, this isn't going to be available. Let's just say, you know, in the cherry situation, cherries aren't available, but maybe grapes are or something like that. Might be a bad example for this year because grapes really weren't weren't available there. But, you know, I mean, if, that, if they were, then you're going to say, okay, yeah, we're going to expand our displays, you know, right at the front of the department on grapes. And we may put some promotional activity together on it or whatever and really push on, on that particular item until we can get the cherry deal rolling or peaches or nectarines, whatever the case may be. Yeah. I guess I was wondering like what pushing on it looks like uh, besides. Yeah. It's ad, ad strategy. Ad strategy would be one. Merchandising strategy would be another. And, you know, we're, we're going to display it in the department. Okay. Um, and how do you foster a positive company culture, team culture? Like make it. I think, I think for us, it's, you know, it's pretty easy for us just because that's been our culture for so many years, right? We've always we've always had a great culture at United. We've always really had great leadership at, at United. You know, and from the top down, you know, you you see where the company's going, what direction they want to go. We've always been treated really well here here at United and always been taught, like I said before, to, you know, do the right thing. It's always been easy to do the right thing, even if it's costly, you know, sometimes, you know. We've, I mean, I can tell you story after story of people bringing back you know, product that's not even ours. You know, we, I know we had one guy here, a lady brought back, you know, a carton of milk and she was really mad because she brought it and it was expired and this and that, but it wasn't even our label, you know? And so he was like, he just kind of said, no problem. You know, I'm sorry about that. Took it, took it in. We gave her, gave her another carton of milk and she was happy and went on her way. You know I mean? That's, that's the kind of philosophy that was all we've always had, you know, take care of the guests. The profits will be there if you take care of the guests. Right. So pretty easy and i think you know we've always had good leadership to to really promote that uh within our organization and that's the way i try to do especially with our younger people that we have coming in now are more inexperienced people is just try to be a great example to them to follow yeah um how do you train them so that they can be educated to answer questions for shoppers like how do you educate the shoppers or educate the 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 people on the ground floor, like interacting 
with the shoppers and the produce department so that they know what they're selling? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I think the answer to that is yes. We uh, have a lot of long-term team members in the stores that have been here for a long term. They're very educated. We try to send out educational information to them as well, keep them educated on on products, whether they're new or old. Sometimes you forget things, right? So we, we try to keep them educated so that they can intelligently talk to the guest, but also so they can teach their own team members because, you know, throughout COVID and everything else, we had a lot of turnover. We, and we've got a lot of newer people now, you know, whatever it's from what we did have. And now you've got to keep everybody trained and knowing how to pick a watermelon, how to pick a cantaloupe, you know, whatever, you know, just the basics out there so that so that people can talk to guests because guests appreciate that you know they get a lot of questions a lot of times you know on on could you pick me a watermelon could you pick me a cantaloupe could you pick me this out or the other the answer is always yes you know and we also have a program in the store called ask for a taste you know if a guest is looking at something maybe like a dragon fruit or something like that and they're like what is this and what does it taste like well here let me show you you know let don't don't tell them let let them try it you know because sometimes people like it and sometimes they're like yeah it's Maybe not for me, but thanks for letting me try, it, you know, or whatever. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a, that's one of the things that we did. Oh, is there like a sign that says that? Or? It's, yeah. As for a taste, there is a sign in there and, you know, we will, we'll cut up a, a dragon fruit, star fruit or whatever, whatever it is that you're, that you're wanting to try. We'll, we'll, we'll give you a, we'll give you a tasting of it, you know, or whatever, and let you make the decision. Nine times out of 10, you let somebody try something, they get it in their mouth. They're like, oh, that's great. You know, they'll buy it. Right. So. I mean, you have the rare occasions where people are like, yeah, that's not really for me, but but at least they're really appreciative that you let them try it. They don't have to buy it to try it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of hesitation of not wanting to invest a few dollars in something that you have no idea. Yeah, exactly. Willing to take that risk. Exactly. Exactly. Some of those items are kind of pricey and people don't want to pay that much when they don't know if they're going to like the item or not. Yeah. Um, other ways innovations or trends in, in the ways of like fresh cut or, or ways that you're offering produce or introducing things to shoppers or just different ways of, of doing things from like, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. I can think of a couple of unique things that we've done. Uh, you know, mangoes, I think is a great example. You know, we were at a produce show I think it was Viva Fresh Produce Show, you know, and we were listening to the mango board talk about mangoes and they passed around some samples of some mangoes and they were not very good. And it was like, why are they serving us this? This, this is not very good. And then they told us they passed around another sample and it was amazing, right? It was, it ate very well and was like, wow, this is, this is great. Why wouldn't they do that to begin with? But part of the presentation was the first sample that we ate they were saying if we didn't, if we weren't ripening mangoes, if we weren't offering a ripe mango out there, that first sample is what our guest was getting day in and day out. And it was like, wow, it was eye opening experience. Like I'm serving that to my guests, you know, or whatever. And, and I'm expecting them to have a good experience with it. And they're not going to have a good experience with it because it's not right. We haven't, we haven't done the right processes, right? To make sure that, that they're going to have a good experience with it. So as soon as we came back, we went back to the drawing board on mangoes. Are like, what can we do to get that mango in our stores every day, right? So our guests can have a better experience. So we got a hold of the mango board, got a hold of the people that we need to get a hold of there. They came out and we put together a program to where we rock the mangoes in our in our warehouse here. 
and they taught us the right techniques and, and everything to do properly to ripen mangoes. And we had to change a lot of our processes to make it happen. Because now you got to buy mangoes a little different. You got to have them here a little longer. They got to go through a three-day process, so on and so forth. And then we don't ship a mango out of here unless it's been ripened through the ripening process. And sometimes that's hard to do, right? Because sometimes you've got product in the warehouse. You could fulfill orders, but you can't because I won't let them ship it unless it's gone through the right process, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't want the guests to have a bad experience with it. So I would say from that, that was a pretty big change for us. And we saw sales grow exponentially on mangoes when we did that. And then we had to start merchandising mangoes a little different because our normal space that we had allocated for mangoes was not big enough any longer because sales had increased so much on it. So we had to we had to think about that differently, do things differently. And then that evolved into ripening pears more, right? Because the same thing was happening with pears. We weren't providing a good eating experience on pears. So now we offer pears like the angio pears that have been pre-ripened when we when we sent them out to the store. So you know, we had to think about things differently. I think sometimes that's a good thing. I think change is good. You know, in a lot of a lot of occasions, you know, I, don't, I think you've got to be willing to change and really step back and look at, okay, this is the way we've done things for, you know, X number of years, but is it the right thing to do? Or has the business changed or has something else changed that we could be better, right? And so, I mean, mangoes was, was really one of the things that we really focused on and really wanted to change and, and the sales showed it and now. We're selling a whole lot more mangoes today than what we ever did before. So that, that was probably one of the bigger changes. That's really an interesting example that, yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. Um, where do you see produce heading? Like, what do you see changing in the next year or five years? Uh, um, I don't know. That's kind of a, kind of an interesting question. You know, I think, um, you know, one of the things that I see that's a little different, you know, nowadays as opposed to before, you know, COVID really changed a lot. And, you know, really surprising to me was how many people were really willing for to, to allow us, you know, through our e-com to, to purchase produce online and allow us to pick it out for them, right? That's something that I always kind of felt like people would want to do on their own, like pick it up, smell it, touch it, feel it, you know, everything. But it's really been interesting to me to see that people are really accepting that, you know, that we do a good job of that, that we will pick you the product that you're asking for, the, the right the right quality for you day in and day out. And I really kind of see that business starting to grow, you know. So that, that's been kind of interesting to me that I think we'll, we'll see more of that in the future. I think we're going to see more of the digital aspect come into play as well. You know, something that I saw was really, you know, innovative for us was the digital deals. And, and being able to, to market those out there in the ads and whatnot, you know, produce was really one of the first adopters on the digital deal, uh, platform for us on our rewards program and, and offering de- uh, gifts, even better deals on, on digital deals. And now I, I tell you what, all departments are on it and it's going, going really, really well, but we, we really saw a big, a big opportunity there. And I think you're probably going to see more of that in the future and just, you know, more of the social media influence and be able to better tell a story on an item or how to use an item. Uh, you know, one of the things we do really well here is for education, uh, getting our dietitians involved. Uh, and, you know, of course they love talking about produce. It's easy for a dietitian to talk about, you know, something that's very healthy, but showing different, different, uh, usages for an item, you know, cause people, you know, like us and my, and my wife, we kind of get stuck in a rut of eating the same thing 
over and over. And it's like, okay, what's, what's something we could do different, you know? And I think the corporate dietitians give, uh, give a little bit of a different spin or a different way to prepare something or use something in a dish or something like that. And I think just better, better ideas. Hmm. Yeah. Um, are the digital deals like deals that you get only when you buy it online? Not when you buy it online, you can buy it online and get the digital deal or you can buy it in the store. Just, you just have to be a rewards member and use your rewards number to, to be able to get the deal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then any advice for people who want to do what you do someday and they're in the pro- produce and retail s- sphere, but, but low, you know, on the ladder earlier on. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you've got, I mean, especially what I see today is you've got to be willing to change. You've got to be accepting of change. There's so much change coming at us rapidly right now. Um, you know, with, with the, with the, you know, computer systems and everything else and just digital platforms and whatnot, uh, more so than what we've ever seen before. So I think you've got to be, you know, adapted to change, willing to change and willing to look at your, you know, look, you know, what you've been doing for, for years and say, okay, is this working? Is this what we should be doing? Or should we, should we, should we try something else? You know, that maybe we could do something better in the future that's better for our guests. So. I think being adapted to change is something that that I would that I would recommend uh, to anybody out there. Great. Any final thoughts? Well, I just appreciate the time. I'm I'm truly honored and humbled to to receive this award, and uh, really really appreciate the opportunity. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you very much as well.